Namaste, and welcome to the Buddhism Guide podcast by Yeshi Rabgay. If you'd like more of my podcasts, blogs, videos, or guided meditation practices, visit my website, yeshirabgay.com. And if you'd like to support my work, go to patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide. I hope you enjoy this episode. It has been brought to my attention that a certain podcast platform was not updating the Buddhism Guide podcasts. This has now been rectified and I want to thank Greg for bringing this to my attention. If you know of any podcast apps that are not updating this podcast, please email me at info at yeshirabge.com. That's info at yeshirabge.com. And I'll investigate it. Thank you. And now let's start the episode. This episode is called The Mangala Sutra, Part 9. Understanding impermanence is one of the most important topics Buddha taught. In the Dharmapada, it states this, All conditioned things are impermanent. All conditioned things are unsatisfactory. All things are non-self. When one sees this with wisdom, one turns away from suffering. This is the path to purification. So, what things are impermanent? Well, Buddha said this, You may well take hold of a possession that is permanent, stable, eternal, immutable, that abides eternally the same in its very condition. But do you see, monks, any such possession? And the monk said, No, Buddha. Well, monks, I too... Do not see any such possession that is permanent, stable, eternal, immutable, that abides eternally the same in its very condition. So it's clear from this stanza that nothing remains without change. Why is that? Well, all phenomena are made up of two or more parts and coming to existence through a series of causes and conditions. Buddha taught that there is no phenomena that exists from its own side. That is, there are no phenomena that are not compounded. Things do not just come into existence by sheer magic or by some superior power such as a god. It's through causes and conditions, the joining together of things, that phenomena come into existence. Everything is dependent on other things. When we fill a jug of water, it's not the first drop that fills it, nor the last drop. It's each drop individually coming together that fills the jug. When we plant a seed in the ground, it won't just miraculously grow. It needs water, sun, nutrients from the soil, and so on, or it won't grow. It grows when these causes and conditions come into play. 
We came into being when sperm meets with an egg. We don't just miraculously appear or are made by some so-called higher being. It's through various causes and conditions. When things come together, something comes into being. They last for a while, even though they're constantly changing, and then they disintegrate. This is the true nature of all phenomena, and it's because of this everything is impermanent. Let's look at some examples of what is impermanent. The universe is impermanent. Planets explode and black holes keep forming. All this is a display of impermanence. So let's look a little closer to home, to the Earth. We're all aware of how the Earth is changing, unfortunately mainly because of our own actions. A thousand years ago, the Earth was a very different place. Innumerable species of animals have since become extinct. Other species have evolved. Forests have disappeared. Lakes have dried up. While so-called human civilization grows dramatically. This is due to impermanence. The weather changes constantly. And time does too. Seasons change. And quite importantly, so do our thoughts and feelings. Absolutely everything around us is changing. Impermanence is a far-reaching factor in our lives. So, why do we find it so hard to embrace it? Even though we nearly all understand impermanence on an intellectual level, we choose to ignore it. It's much nicer to believe things will last forever. But this simply isn't the case. And all we're doing is setting ourselves up for future suffering. We struggle against impermanence because we get too attached to things, get so involved and wrapped up in them. We fool ourselves into believing that something we like will last forever. When it doesn't, we're surprised and start suffering. But this idea that things will last forever is just a delusion. Let's look at an example of our attachment to something and how it makes us suffer. Imagine you see an advertisement for the latest smartphone. You then search the internet to check out the specifications. Your excitement grows. Your anticipation is high. When the product arrives in the shop, you rush to buy it. One hour later, it's in your hands and you are playing with it. The more you look at it, the more you see how indispensable it is and you become convinced that it's the one thing that can bring true happiness. You can't think of anything else and you wonder how you ever lived without it. You spend the next few weeks proudly showing it to your friends who envy you for having it. Every time you look at it, a sense of pride fills you. You're so happy. Your life seems complete. Then the inevitable happens. A newer, faster, smaller and more powerful version comes out. You hold the smartphone in your hand, but your happiness has turned to discontentment. Why is that? Buddha taught us that all sense objects, including these fashionable 
technical gadgets are all impermanent. There is no happiness inherent in them. We simply project happiness onto these objects. When our thoughts towards the object change, or the object chains itself, the suffering kicks in. That's the type of impermanence we don't like. But on the other hand, if we're experiencing hard times, we're only too glad that things change. We may have gone out last night, and this morning we have a headache. That will eventually go, and we'll start to feel better. We may have had a serious illness, but things change, and we survived it, and we're happy. Perhaps we have just separated from our loved ones and are now going through a bad time. When that ends, we'll be more than happy. If we've lost our job and are now facing financial hardship, we'll of course be extremely pleased to find new employment. So, impermanence is not all bad news. Our view of impermanence can become quite selective We don't seem to fully understand the nature of impermanence and seem not to even spend time thinking about it. We need to make the understanding of impermanence a part of our lives and our very way of thinking. To do this, we must reflect on it. But before we can do that, we need to understand why Buddha taught this and what the benefits are. So why did Buddha teach us this? to stop us from grasping at things. If we understand that phenomena only come together through causes and conditions, and thus does not exist by themselves, we'll not get attached to our family, friends and belongings. If we're not attached to them, it follows that we're not going to suffer once they've changed or gone. What is the benefit of knowing about impermanence? There are many, but a major one is that it helps us focus on our lives and on setting goals, so we don't waste the precious time we have on this earth. This is using impermanence as a motivational tool. If we just stop and think for a moment, how much time do we waste in a day We manage to waste time in so many different ways. Without knowing it, the days turn to months, the months into years, and before we know it, we'll be on our deathbeds full of regret. Impermanence helps us realise that we and all our friends and family will eventually die. We don't know how, where and when, but we do know it will happen. If we're not attached to them, we're not going to suffer once they depart. If we understand impermanence, knowing the thing we hold dear is going to change, we are less likely to get attached to it. And if we're not attached, when it changes, we're not going to suffer so much. I'll let Buddha have the last word. This is how he spoke about impermanence. Nothing in the world is permanent or lasting. Everything is changing and momentary and unpredictable. But people are ignorant and selfish and are concerned only with the desires and suffering of the passing moment. They don't listen to the good teachings. 
nor do they try to understand them. They simply give themselves up to the present interest, to wealth and lust. Before we finish this podcast, I want to teach you reflection practices that I think are going to help you come to terms with impermanence. I've been traditionally trained in Buddhism, and one thing I was taught to do was reflect upon death. Now I know this may sound morbid and even a little strange, but I can tell you from my own experience that it really works. It works on so many levels. First, you understand impermanence and start to let go of your clinging attachment to things. Second, you become motivated to make the best of this life. And third, you'll not be fretting about death. In the West, talking about death is such a no-no. Why is that? We can learn so much from reflecting upon it. So here are four reflections on different aspects of death. Please, don't get distressed. Just work through them slowly. These are taken from the traditional Buddhist practice and may be too much for you to reflect on. But if that's the case, I suggest you look at why that is. The first reflection. Think that nothing lasts. Think that this year will soon be gone. Last year has already gone. Each year departs so quickly. Think about the world and all its inhabitants and how they're impermanent. Think about how you've gone from a baby to a child to an adult and realise that you are heading towards death. Think of how every day, week, month and year brings you closer to your death. Reflect upon these points. This isn't to depress you. It's to make you understand that everything is impermanent and the time to try and reduce your suffering is now. The second reflection is, think about how many other people have died. Think about all the people you've known who have died. Some have been older, some younger, and some the same age. There have been so many. Think about how most people, even though they're surrounded by impermanence, have died unprepared. Think of the times that you've been shocked to find out about someone dying, even though you're surrounded by impermanence. Read the papers, watch the news, count how many people have died or been killed today. Reflect on these points and understand that death is all around us and let this fact motivate you to be a better person. The third reflection is, think of many causes of death. Think of the numerous circumstances that can bring about death. Heart attack or illness, accidents, falling down the stairs, being hit by lightning. The list is endless. We don't know when, where and how we're going to die. What we know is, that death will come. As we don't know our fate, we should spend the precious time we have engaging in practice. Reflect on these points and don't let your death be a surprise. 
The fourth reflection is, reflect what will happen at the time of death. If you have misused your life and spent most of it indulging in unhelpful actions and being consumed by clinging desires, anger or aversion and unawareness, at the time of death you may be terrified. You're not going to be able to calm your mind and it will run riot. It may be that you imagine all kinds of scary situations and will be afraid of losing your family and friends. You may even worry about the money you're leaving behind. It's not possible to relive your life once you reach death, even if you're full of regret and remorse. So don't allow yourself to get to that point. Spend some time reflecting on these points as they will help you understand impermanence and let go of your clinging attachments. This podcast is based on my book, Life's Meandering Path, and it's available now from Amazon and Kindle. This is the end of this episode. But if you'd like to listen to more of my podcasts, go to my website, yeshirabge.com. So thank you so much for listening. And remember, the only person we can ever really know is ourselves. Bye for now.